0: At Boatwright. I am Lucretia McCulley, Head of Scholarly Communications at Boatwright Library. Our author today is Dr. Marian McCormick, Associate Professor of Philosophy and Philosophy, Politics, Economics, and Law. She is the author of a new book, Believing Against the Evidence Agency and the Ethics of Belief, published recently by Routledge. In this book, Dr. McCormick argues that the standards used to evaluate beliefs are not isolated from other evaluative domains. The ultimate criteria for assessing beliefs are the same as those for assessing action because beliefs and actions are both products of agency. Miriam, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So to start off our conversation, what inspired you to write on this particular topic? Well, I think...
1: My my interest in these kinds of questions goes back to even when I was an undergraduate and really trying to figure out how to address skeptical arguments. So skepticism is this tradition in philosophy that goes way back to antiquity where there's questions about what are the ultimate grounds of our beliefs, right? So normally when we ask why If I ask you why you believe something, you can offer me reasons or you can give me evidence to why you believe it. But if we keep pushing that back farther and saying, well, why do you believe that and why do you believe that? Ultimately, it seems that the the grounds that ground our justifications, if we keep pushing the questions of justification farther and farther back, we end up not being able to give a rational justification for those ultimate justifications. And so then this worry happens happens um, that well if that's the case well then are any of our beliefs justified um, and there have been a lot of people a lot of philosophers who have tried to respond to skepticism and skeptical arguments directly to show that we can um, that we can actually give this justification of our ultimate justifications I uh, because David Hume has been one of my one of the philosophers I've engaged with a lot and that I've a lot of sympathy for I agree with him that ultimately we can't do that we can't give an ultimate justification for our justifications but yet we still hold on to these beliefs there's some beliefs that we cannot give up um, even if they don't have grounds like even if we come to the view that we don't have a justification for our belief in uh the external world that there're an ob- that there are objects out there that actually correspond to our sensations if we accept that well we can't prove that that doesn't isn't going to have an effect we're going to still keep on thinking that we have that there are, are these there is an external world and so i came to i came to be more interested in, instead of trying to refute skepticism trying to understand beliefs trying to understand okay what is it about why do some beliefs if i show you you don't have grounds for them, like you eventually, you're a kid and you believe in Santa Claus, and then you come to see that there's no evidence supporting it, and you give it up. And that's usually what happens. You ha- find you don't have evidence, you give it up. But that's not always the case. Sometimes these beliefs persevere, and it seems like beliefs don't just have the, the purpose and the aim of capturing the truth. They have this much more wider, um, they have a much wider purpose, which includes uh, in- includes practical concerns as well. Like we need our beliefs for meaning making, for coherence, not just for getting the truth. And so contemporary philosophers tend to ignore that other side of beliefs, the practical aim of beliefs, because the worry is if you accept that, then any belief is going to be okay. And we're not going to be able to say, well, this belief, this is not a belief one should have, and this is a belief that we should have, and that we're not going to be able to evaluate beliefs at all. all. And so I've been working for many, many years to try to figure out, okay, how can we still be able to evaluate beliefs and say that some beliefs are not okay and some beliefs are okay, but recognize that it's not only about whether beliefs are grounded in evidence or not. So this is sort of something... This this book is something that's kind of been the result of a long
0: road. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. Congratulations on finishing that. <laughs> Thanks. Um, well, how do you think the University of Richmond community could use this book to address diversity on campus? So, I I start off the book with a little personal anecdote
1: um, that I uh, and this is this is. Um it's true. <laughs> I Sometimes, um, you know, normally when I'm driving along, I mean, you have to drive a lot in Richmond, and, and I, I, I listen to NPR or I listen to my music, but sometimes, you know, the pledge drive comes on or I don't have music to listen to. And a friend of mine pointed out that there's this radio station that we can get in Richmond. It's called American Family Radio that talks, um, that is very much... Um, it's it's identifies as, as a Christian radio station, but um, I don't. F- it's not the. What fi- I find really fascinating about it is there's a worldview that is, expressed there, um, that is really really different from my worldview, right? And from a lot of uh, us us academic, people who have been brought up in a certain tradition, they the the beliefs that are expressed in on this um, on this radio station you know things like that the theory of evolution has no evidential support um, you know that the um, that there is no connection between the gay rights movement and the civil rights movement of the sixties that this is totally false and I'll listen to this and I'll sometimes get a little bit angry. Um, but I'm also sort of fascinated. How could it be that um, people can come to have, in this day and age, can come to have such different beliefs about such fundamental ideas? And I think we have the tendency when we are confronted with very different perspectives very, um, to just dismiss them and not listen and just think, well, they're just a bunch of idiots and we know the truth and they don't. And you know, we have science behind us and they don't. And it becomes an us versus them and part of what I'm pointing out to pointing out in this book is that beliefs, um, what I was saying before, beliefs are, beliefs are very complex. They're not just about capturing the truth. We use them to form identity. We use them um, to form bonds, and and there's a really strong emotional component to beliefs. And so sometimes, I think the way of approaching people who are very different from us, people have, with diverse um, perspectives with different kinds of backgrounds, rather than confronting them and confronting each other in this purely intellectual way, sometimes the way to actually be able to understand is to recognize this emotional, sensitive, non-intellectual component of beliefs. Um, and that you can change your beliefs and you can come to you can come to he- understand other people's beliefs, Sometimes more the way that you can come to change more akin to the way that you come to change your feelings. I mean, you can feel about something a certain way. You can feel angry about something, and then someone can come and talk to you about it, and they're not going to be able to get you to stop being angry by saying "stop being angry." You're dumb for being angry, right. but you'll be able to have a conversation where you under- come to understand where your anger comes from, and this can actually end up changing it. And so, the ho- one of my hopes is that in thinking about some of what I have to say in this book is that people can recognize that it's not as simple as saying beliefs that I disagree with are um, or beliefs of a particular community that's very different from my own um, are just false and wrong but that it's much more complex and that is the complexity of beliefs that I want to point out which is and now as Richmond is getting more and more diverse in people's backgrounds and people who come here with different kinds of beliefs. I think it's even more important to be able
0: to engage with that kind of sensitivity. Right. Okay, great. Very good. Well, did students assist you with the research and preparation of this book? Yes, actually, I was very lucky to be able to give a
1: number of seminars in the philosophy department first on the ethics of belief just generally, but then, which was very helpful while I was working out a lot of these ideas to be able to read the articles I needed to read with my students and engage with, engage with these articles and these ideas with my students. And then ultimately, last fall, I had, um, I, I had a seminar in the philosophy department where we read, it was called like, norms, agency, and belief or something like that. And we, we read um, a lot of the background literature that I read for the book, but then we also read a draft of the book. So as I was working through it, we would read, we would read uh, the sort of the central literature related to Chapter 1, and then we would read my Chapter 1, and then we would read the central literature of Chapter 2, and then Chapter 2. And this was as I was writing it and fin- refining it, and having being able to do that with my students... Um, was invaluable and actually acknowledge them in the book and um you know some by name and yeah. so that was that was just such a wonderful thing to be able to do um yeah and then just the technic some of the technical aspects we had a student uh, we have a student um helper in the department and he was able to kind of help me with some of the uh um just the sort of final preparation of it right but the intellectual. Oh. Mm-hmm engagement was what was really important for
0: me. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful opportunity for them as well. Um, and how would you envision undergraduate students using this book for their study and research? Well, I, I, I hope that it's something, I mean, even
1: in that class people used the rough, the, right. the rough copy of it. <laughs> and I hope now that it's, um, I mean, f- particularly for people who are in undergraduates in philosophy who are interested in these kinds of Views. I mean, it's already, some of them are already using it, and I hope they'll continue to. I think it can go beyond um, people just interested in, in, um, in philosophy. I think some students of psychology would find some of it. I do refer to a lot of recent work in empirical psychology as well, so I think that would be interesting for them. People in religious studies, I think it would be interesting for them. So... I hope it'll it's available in the library, so hopefully right. people
0: to check it out. <laughs> and we do have two copies, so <laughs> oh, great of every faculty book. And our last question, how did library services support you in writing this book? Well, again, I'm very lucky to be at University
1: of Richmond where if I ever need any article or any book, it comes to me. <laughs> really, really quickly, even when I'm far away. So, I mean, this this to- these topics, I, I, I talk about this in the preface, actually. When I first started writing this book about eight years ago or seven years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of people writing on these issues. There was The, liter- the literature was very small and manageable. I mean, issues about the practical dimensions of belief just wasn't something that mainstream philosophers were interested in. I was one of the first... But now, just the last year or two, it's become a really, really... Um, it's just that the literature has exploded and it's been... It was difficult for me and I wasn't able at the end to incorporate everything. I'm still now working on articles related to these issues because so much has come out. But the fact that I was able to, whenever I would see something new come out, mm-hmm. write to my, my, my um, library liaison and get the article and the book I needed was just
0: fantastic. So... It was very Good. helpful. Well, glad we could help with the process. Yes, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you, Dr. McCormick, for your conversation today. Believing Against the Evidence, Agency, and the Ethics of Belief is available in Butright Library, and it's on sale in the University Bookstore.